Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, before we get to this really fun conversation with my man, Mike Cope, let me tell you about the National Conference on Youth Ministries, which is coming up January 4th through 7th in Colorado Springs. This is a conference for youth ministers and youth workers put on by youth ministers and youth workers. Besides veteran youth workers who are in the trenches, you're going to hear from friends of the podcast like Jonathan Stormont, Randy Harris, Josh Ross, and Colorado's own Nadia Bowles-Weber. Now you can find out more about the schedule, make your hotel reservations, and register for the conference at the NCYM website, which is ncym.org. Make sure you go check it out. And uh, October 12th, which is the day that should be released, is the very last day to get the early bird rate. So make sure you go and sign up. All right, there it is. And uh, here it is, the conversation with my man, Mike Cope from Malibu. All right, friends, welcome back to the show. Today we're coming to you from what I've become quite a fan of, a little town called Malibu, California, and our guest is our old friend, Mike Cope. How are you, Mike? Good, Luke. Good to talk to you, man. Yes. I'm the one guy who had a chance to move to Malibu and has chosen Abilene, Texas instead. You you have a mental disorder, I think. I do. West Texas, Malibu. That doesn't seem like... Different sides of the desert. Have you thought about like going to see professional help to see <laughs> what is exactly wrong with you? To make- I do. I come to Malibu for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. People look at you and go, and by people, I mean myself, uh, look at you and go, that like this is the goal. Like you, wanna ha- like you can live near family in Texas yeah. and have an excuse to go to Malibu. It Pretty- works well. Although when you explain to people, I was hired by Pepperdine and chose to stay in West Texas. Again, men- it's a hard sell. Mental disorder. Yeah, you got to see pictures of granddaughters and grandson, then it starts to make more sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, your your granddaughters and son, grandson are here right now. Yeah, we. Ju- I just got out of the water with your son. Yeah, you guys were out. Yes, body surfing. Yeah, it, the water's uh, what high fifties. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what it is. It's. I uh- asked you guys, are you? cold and you said no and that's because you're numb numb yes <laughs> but it, the water is so much nicer than any ocean that i experience in texas yeah so you'll suffer through that yeah texas oceans are tough in west texas especially yeah. <laughs> yeah. not much ocean well uh the reason i'm in uh in malibu right now is because wh- what is this event called the <laughs> <laughs> do we need a name for it the, is there like this a- is the Official kickoff for the 2016 Pepperdine Bible Lectures. Yeah, that's the name of go. it. Yeah, and so it's a long name. It is. It's a very long yeah. name. And so what you do is you have some local um, California ministers come out for the day before. Yeah. Uh, uh, since we're located in Southern California, we try to introduce it, especially to Central and Southern California ministers, church leaders. Give them kind of one up on what's going to happen the following year, yeah. and because they become big promoters of it. Mm-hmm. So it just happens that we spend a little time here. The whole family's here. Mm-hmm. Um, get to watch the oceans. My mm-hmm. wife passed Piers Brosnan on the uh, mm-hmm. beach, so she's had a good week. You yeah, know, all in all, she's really happy about uh, just seeing Piers. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's double seven. Yeah, she seems shaken but not stirred. So it's, <laughs> it's all right. Your, Matt told me that the house just down is one of Steven Spielberg's house. Yeah, it is. is. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. We we couldn't get him to come in the podcast. We asked. He's busy. Yeah, I don't know why he didn't. I mean, this seems like a really fun thing for him to do. But uh, so we're here, and uh, the the pre conference for for the lectures was yesterday, and today you had the um, don't say anything stupid session with the, the, <laughs> some yeah. of the speakers. Seven of you are responsible for me keeping my job at Pepperdine. <laughs> so here is the, really yeah yeah. What so do that's you th- why. What do you think if hypothetically if you had a speaker? Um, 
who knew what not to say. Like, what would be like the thing they could say that would get you fired the quickest? I don't know because uh, Nadia Boltzweber was here <laughs> last year, and I'm still employed. So, uh, you and I love Nadia. Mm-hmm. She was wonderful, knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. But you know, stretched a few people. Yes, I don't. I don't think she used any adult language. Did she use? T- N- Nadia used some Nadia language. Well, yes. I. She used the F word on my podcast, so I don't think she yeah, used that. She did not do that. No. She did not. No. We. So I was happy for that. You know, she's. Uh, this is a heritage with a Church of Christ background. That's the background Nadia has as well. Yes. So there was a lot of coming back together. Uh, I made a big deal that she had been a student at Pepperdine. And uh, <laughs> then her father got up and said to a large crowd, I'd like to clarify, my daughter was never a student at Pepperdine. I looked puzzled, and he said... Oh, I wrote checks. She attended, <laughs> she, but my daughter was never a student here. Nadia was howling. She loves her mom yes, and dad. It's her, great, I, I got to moment. meet them because uh, I was in yeah, Colorado. Dick and, Peggy, yeah. and they're so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so so great. So uh, this year, you've got some speakers that are not going to say anything inappropriate. And uh, the big I took some chances this year. Who'd you take chances on? Well, I took a chance on you. What? Yeah, that's the big chance. See, no. open, open, opening night speaker this year is Dr. Professor Bishop. Bishop N.T. Wright, friend, or friend as I call him, Tom. Tom, yeah. N.T. Wright is the opening night speaker. Oddly, it seems to say this, first time in the history of the Pepperdine Bible Lecture, somebody mm-hmm. not from this religious tribe has given a keynote lecture. So the uh, the right Reverend Bishop, uh, <laughs> who has been influential uh, in my life, in mm-hmm. your life, and uh, really in just everybody's life that I know his <laughs> writings are so phenomenal. Mm-hmm. He's going to open it up. He's mm-hmm. going to speak that opening night on the scandal of the cross. So then I got six other speakers and I'm thinking, who do I want to put after N.T. Wright? Who do I want to abuse a little bit? Mm-hmm. Who do I want to say, look, N.T. <laughs> Wright just jacked it so far out of the stadium <laughs> that it's now up to you to, to keep the ball in play. So and so I turn to you. I, I call you. You're Wednesday morning. Uh, you carry on the tradition. Is so. that because you like me a whole lot or you hate me a whole lot? It, it's, it's one or the other. not hate. I don't, I don't <laughs> deal in hate. I'm, you know, a Christ follower. So I just thought a challenge would be good mm-hmm. because a podcast, the popularity of the podcast and knowing some of the people you're connecting with, that – that could get challenging. Are we hearing my grandchildren in the background? That's I, great. Are they? The monitor. Oh, the monitor. Right <laughs> yeah, turn the yeah. monitor off. The monitor. There actually, we go. Actually, the monitor is right next to a copy of Maelstrom. Yeah, Carolyn right. Curtis James, who's Eight. just on the podcast. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just great book. Ago. So um, you're deciding to, who to follow N.T. Wright, and you think N.T. Wright's going to do so good, I can put the worst hitter no, right it's behind not him that at all. because thinking, people aren't even going to remember. I care deeply about Luke. He needs humility <laughs> in his life, bringing back down from all these podcasts, Rob Bell, Nadia, so on. Yeah, and, and Mike uh, Cope. That's another big well, one. Well, yeah, I did, I did one early on, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. and so you think, okay, we're just going to put him after N.T. Yeah, Wright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, our and friend, by the way, you're followed by Fate Hagel. You ever heard fate preach? Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm not excited about this. the minister at the Metro Church. Yeah, this – no. I, again, like I said, I don't think it's love. I think it's hate. You're like <laughs> – you had some, for some reason, like I have a uh, like a dead body that I know where you buried it. And yeah. so you had to put me on. And so you thought, where can I hide Luke? Like who's the weakest link? <laughs> we'll put him between two outstanding speakers. But the one thing it does give me the opportunity to do, as our friend Shane Hughes, who's also doing a keynote, yeah. said is when you get a follow-on to your right, you get to start your, your talk off by saying – 
thank Rick Gibson. Thank you, Mike Coat, for the opportunity. Thank you, Pepperdine Lectures. And thank you, uh, Tom Wright, for opening for me. <laughs> yeah, he's so your opening act. I get to say that joke, and I definitely will be doing that. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that joke? You can use it, although you've spoiled it a little here by doing it on the podcast. Well, but then there'll just, be a few people there that haven't heard they'll this. They'll be excited to hear it. They're like, yeah. oh, yeah. This it's is, coming. Yes, and, and it's going to happen. Now, when I was in college as an undergrad at ACU, I heard you say for the first time the joke, um, you know, I don't know what I think about X subject because I need to go read Tom Wright and let him tell me what I think about that subject. Yeah. Like you said that. I don't, do you remember saying that? I do. It's similar to my saying, you know, the Apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Mm-hmm. I just carry that a little further. <laughs> I follow N.T. Wright as he follows Paul as he follows Christ. Yeah, that's good. So I have discipleship. It's just three steps <laughs> removed. <laughs> when, when, I, when I interviewed uh, the bishop, N.T. Wright, uh, last year, that's my, that was my first bit as I, I told him. You know, I, I get my opinions on everything from you. Yeah. So also tell me what I think about Taylor Swift or I don't know what I said. <laughs> I'm sure he was right up on that. Yeah, he had the right. He said, just shake it, shake it off, my friend. Oh, no, I, don't, I don't know what he <laughs> no, said. No, we didn't. That was my Tom Wright impersonation, it's, yeah. which is terrible because his voice is like super deep and like fills the room Yeah, up. but he could have said that. I could imagine him saying that. Yeah. Well, okay, so when did you first get introduced to uh, the bishop's work? Um. I'm trying to think what year Climax of the Covenant was. That was the first book I read, and um, I'm guessing it was back around 1990. I hope I don't find out the book was published in 98 or something, but that's how long ago it seems. It seems like a quarter of a century that uh, that I've been reading his his books, um, but it has surprised me through the years that this Anglican, which is quite a yeah. ways outside of my own tradition, he provided a guiding framework. My, my own tribe, my own heritage has had kind of a removal of a lot of the things that were its underpinnings. Probably need to be removed, many of them. But then there's the question of what fills the space? What's the theological structure? What's the backbone of what we're going to do? And N.T. Wright steps in with this large, overarching um, vision of the meaning of the kingdom and the gospel. It's it's a large cosmic mm. story of reconciliation, and it really resonated with me. And as you know, as we've talked about the last couple of days, it's sort of Copernican revolution, mm-hmm. where moving from me at the center of the universe, where the gospel is about me, help me, save my sins, keep me from hell, mm-hmm. to being God's large story of redeeming the world that he loves yeah and that the other things are still a part of it but they're 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 minor in some ways compared to this large story and so the other things being like me getting to heaven when i die yeah and so that's that's, that's important it's uh, it's important especially when to you're Tom, dying it's important yeah especially <laughs> when you're dying he doesn't negate any of that but okay. he says that's a piece of this large story. The way I mentioned it to the keynote speakers, uh, Michael Gorman says, we get obsessed with the penultimate part of the story, with the mechanics of atonement. Mm -hmm. And so all these debates out there right now about how atonement takes place. And he says, you know, really, that's, that's the mechanics of it. The essence of atonement is that God is creating a transformed people like the Messiah to live in the new age that is broken in through the power of the Spirit. Yeah. And so that's what the theme is this year, cruciformed, living in light of the Jesus story, that if the story of Jesus is true, God is forming a people in his covenant who will live out the way of his future. God will have God's way. Mm-hmm. That, that's true. But even now, he's, he's reforming things. He's reconciling all things, and he's using us. So our lives become cruciformed they they take on the shape of the cross no mm. no more of the power structures no more of stepping on people to climb the ladder but we find ourselves going with jesus down the ladder to the place of 
of emptying. Mm, that's good. I'm writing all that down because that's going to be my. Lecture. You're not writing right anything down. D- you got to go with it. it's a podcast. They can't tell if I'm really. You're not writing anything down. You're it. just going to wing it when you get up there. You've already got me nervous. Am I allowed to wing it? No. Why not? You're following Tom Wright. You got to be ready. They're man. not going to remember anything I said because fate's going to clean up whatever mess I make. Okay, but if people, let's go back to the idea of what Tom Wright is pushing for, like this big cosmic story. Yeah. Um, it's hard for us to think of a cosmic story as being as important because what's really good news for me is getting rid of my guilt and me not having this existential fear of what happens after I die. How can how can we how can I understand that to be as good of news as maybe what I've wanted the gospel to be, which is you know uh, eternity insurance and like a guilt yeah. remover? Well, first of all, all those things you mentioned are important things. But uh, to me, the key is starting not in Genesis 3 with the fall, but starting in Genesis 1. Mm. That the, the biblical story begins with God's good creation. It ends in Revelation 21, 22 with the rebooting of all of that, with God restoring his good world, mm-hmm. the heavens and the earth, bringing together God's world, the heavens and the earth. And that in between, we're praying the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So going back to Genesis 1, it means this is going to be a large story. It's about all things coming under his power, the reconciliation of all things. And it suddenly means that I'm, I'm being called into something beyond just my little self and my obsessions. Sometimes when I obsess on my guilt and how to take care of it, it just exacerbates it. It really, just all yeah. of a sudden, my, you know, that that's the only thing that controls me, and that guilt freezes and becomes depression, and the depression freezes and becomes anger, and yeah. the next thing you know, we're, we're on this merry-go-round of emotions. But I find myself being called up into this big story. I'm invited by God to join him in the restoring of all things, so that any time I work toward... The restoring of a friendship, the restoring of a broken marriage, anytime I'm involved in racial reconciliation, anytime I feed the poor, anytime I preach the gospel, anytime I help somebody come to faith, all of that matters by the power of the Spirit in, in mm-hmm. God's new world. And so that's the kingdom breaking in around us. Is that's it? the kingdom everywhere. Is that thy why the kingdom come, thy will be done. That's what Jesus talked about all the time, right? It did. Because yeah, that's yeah. what it's, yeah. And at the end of his new book that I think you interviewed him about, he has that little story of uh, of reading the Lord's Prayer backwards, that we mm-hmm. tend to read it backwards. We start with the help me, help me, help me parts at the end of the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And he says those are all important, but it's better to, to say the Lord's Prayer the way it was given by Jesus, that we start with this overarching sense of the goodness of this father whose name is hallowed and, mm-hmm. and to think and pray about his kingdom and his will. And then when that's done... There is a place, a valuable place, to speak about daily bread and about temptations and uh, being led from evil. Yeah. When I was first praying the Lord's Prayer as uh, a kid, maybe high school, junior high, I would really take out the our kingdom and um, uh, our daily bread and our trespasses and make it mine. Yeah. Like, forgive me of my – because I wanted to make it personal. What I think Tom is pointing at, and I can call him Tom. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, <clears throat> what Tom and I like to talk about. But what Tom is pointing towards is that's that you're missing the point. Like this is yeah. all of us are in this together. God's picture is bigger than 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 just me taking care of my problems. And there's some like there's gospel in that. Ab- absolutely, all the way through. Our this heritage that I'm a part of, this tribe, Churches of Christ, uh, didn't generally pray the Lord's Prayer, but. Uh, I preached, as you know, for the Highland Church in Abilene for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. And back in the late 90s, I started inviting the church to join me every Sunday in praying the Lord's Prayer. It continues to this day. My last Sunday there as the senior minister in 2009, 
young father came up and told me that they had just prayed that week as a family the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm. And um, so the, their, their four-year-old and uh, the three-year-old, they got together, the, they prayed, and there's that, thy kingdom come, thy will be done through some, to the very end, mm-hmm. for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. And then his four-year-old added, please be seated. <laughs> because apparently that's what I'd said at the end of the Lord's Prayer, lo those many years. So he'll be messed up the rest of his life, uh, thinking the a, end of the Lord's Prayer is, please be seated. Yeah. Which is important. You don't want to be standing the whole time. Well, it's a life. sermon on a mount. Yeah, you know? it yeah. makes sense. He would yeah. be doing yeah. that if you're taken from that yeah yeah Yeah. what made you think that that was uh, an important thing to do to niche uh, carve out that time it 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 was personally important for me you've interviewed me before about the death of my daughter and um megan died in 1994 Uh, my nephew died in 1999 and it was around that time that i found that my prayer life was waning There, there was um there just wasn't much to my prayer life grief had kind of fallen over and so I turned to some Christian resources uh, that others have known and I should have known for a long time. And one of them was just the daily praying of the Lord's Prayer, that it provides for you a prayer so that I don't have to think about it. I don't have to feel it. I just have to mean it in the deepest part of my soul. Yeah. And it's part of the rhythm. It's part of this exercise, this discipline of coming to God. So it started with me personally, that every day I would pray the Lord's Prayer. And then one year I was preaching through the Lord's uh, uh, through the Sermon on the Mount we came to that passage and from that day forward the day I preached Matthew 6 1 to 18 we just it's never stopped really we, we found as a church the value in joining the church across the world and through the centuries of praying the prayer the Lord said pray this yeah well I, I was a college student while you were preaching at Highland and yeah. so that was a big deal to me and so I, I would assume that you instilled in me the the significance of the Lord's Prayer, and so it became an mm. important thing to me. Uh, and so I, some nights I pray it with uh, with my daughters, including my four-year-old, who, who says something about how I say the word amen wrong because I say amen because I feel like that's the, like that's the original Greek. It says yeah. amen, not, yeah. not, not amen. Yeah. But, and I think we've talked about this before, but as someone who was hearing your preaching and, and you know, as I was coming in my own as being a preacher myself, hearing your preaching, that's one of the things I really appreciated because – you always were able to display that you have your own struggles and doubts, and it was authentic in the way you did that. It wasn't like you're on the uh, the psychiatrist couch, like working through your junk in front of people. But you know, it was coming out of a place of honesty and yeah. transparency. And it's almost like you know, after Jacob wrestled with uh, with God, he walked with a limp, and it's like you preach with a limp in a way yeah, that I do. was. I preach with a limp. <laughs> I, I think that's right. That was a compliment in my head. I don't know if it came out that way. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I do. I, that story is very important to me. Um, I preach with the limp, the the loss of my daughter, the loss of my nephew, the near loss of my son in a in a car wreck, um, and through all of that, uh, to keep putting your faith forward, even on those mornings you don't necessarily feel like it. And so, in preaching, I've tried to be honest. But like you said, I haven't tried to turn the the assembly into a place for me to work out my issues for at least free. You don't have to pay. But but at least yeah. at least to be uh, honest about it, about where we are, to make modest claims when I'm ready to make mod- modest claims, but also to lean into the faith of the church. I've always assumed church is not a place for me uh, to work out all my doubts. Mm-hmm. I've got some doubts that pop up from time to time, but but church is the place for us to lean forward into our deepest confession, lean forward into the creed, lean forward into what we believe as a church about Jesus Christ. And 
So that ha- that has kind of carried me through at times. I've also been honest about those times when Diana and I couldn't find each other that I've mentioned to you before. After yeah. Megan's death, we just, you know, there was too much grief in each other's eyes, and, and yet we pressed on. But back to the larger discussion, I, I think that fits into this idea of being cruciform, this, this prayer for the kingdom, this prayer that God will work in large we say missional ways uh, through his people, which, by the way, gives me a chance. Can I plug another person coming to the Pepperdine Bible sure. lectures? Uh, it's tied to this for me. Um, one of the heroes of my life, and a story I've known and have told for decades. Oh, is, I thought you were going to talk about me for a no, second. No, 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 no. If we can move just beyond, <laughs> you know, just beyond. Uh, so I've told the story of Ruby Bridges yeah. uh, my whole life, and have and have listened to others tell it. But but I'm still stunned by it. Such 1960, a good story. the courts say that in New Orleans, uh, they have to become integrated. Uh, Ruby Bridges is six. She goes to school every day for a year to attend school alone because every white parent has taken their child out of the school. She's escorted by heavily armed federal marshals with people screaming that they will murder her, her parents, her siblings. Every day she goes to school, every day she comes back. There's a shrink named Robert Coles who's assigned to watch for her, you know, and uh, one day they notice that she's saying something to the crowd, and uh, so he interviews her. What, what are you saying to those people? And Ruby says, I'm not saying anything to the people. He says, well, I saw you saying something, and she said, well, I'm talking to God. Dr. Coles said, well, what do you say to God? And Ruby said, I say, God, please forgive these people. They don't know what they're doing. Mm. And uh, so he gets to looking into her life. What is it that sustains the six-year-old girl in, in the midst of murderous accusations every day for a year? And he goes to church with her and finds out that Ruby and her family believe the stories of Scripture. They speak more truth to her than the reality of the hatred along the way. So fast forward from 1960 to 2016 to the 2016 Pepperdine Bible Lectures and Ruby Bridges is going to come. And uh, we've been corresponding with her. She's a generous, grace-filled woman. And she's still telling that story of how these stories of Scripture have altered her life. And there's been a lot of pain that's come into her life. But um, That's such a good story. Uh, yeah, I just I can't wait to have her come uh, and, and speak about how God has stepped into her life through the years. I've definitely ripped off that story. I'm sure I learned it from you, that story. But it's such an amazing story. Yeah, yeah I can't wait to hear. Yeah. Are you going to hook me up with a podcast with her? Can you make that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I'm, you just said yes. We have I, it on you, tape. You know, I can, <laughs> I, I, I can toss up an easy ass like Richard Beck. I mean, who can't? You're going to really? trade me a Richard Beck? Yeah, no. For a no. Ruby I, I, I can hook you up with Beck. Okay. No, I was Beck's preacher. You know, so I, he's, I, I he's, have some, he's a regular on the show. He's a regular. That's what I'm my saying. Dad I, was, can do, I can my, do that. But. No, my dad hooks me up with that because <laughs> my dad was the first teacher. Okay. We're going to go back. You said something before. Ruby Bridges, she's going to be there. I'm super excited to hear from yeah. her. Okay. Completely agree. You said, I want to make modest claims when I preach. What do you mean by that? That was like, it seems like church, you make robust claims. Why would you want to make modest claims? I think I'm speaking about um, my own faith mm-hmm. because I don't want to, I don't want to overspeak. I don't want people to over understand. I am, you know, my deepest place is a believer in Christ. I believe in the resurrection, but I walk in some mystery about Things like how prayer works and how scripture functions in a Christian's life and how a church or a tribe moves along with all of the disagreements. I walk more and more lightly in that and want to be more and more gentle in that. So I don't want to get up and be bombastic and uh, to make people feel that I'm 
<laughs> Mr. Answer, you know, on all yeah. of these, that I'm on a journey to, and uh, I find a lot of discovery along the way. So when I when, when I preach on, on um, marriage, I want people to know that it's by the grace of God that we've found this new, wonderful, joy-filled place. But it wasn't mm. always that way. You know, people to know it's a journey. And that's I think that's what I've always appreciated about your preaching is that you never— claimed to have it all figured out in a way and I felt like you were a guide that was on the journey with us and that you had wisdom to share but it didn't seem like you were exaggerating what was authentic yeah, and I, I hope that's right and, and I think a lot of people really prefer like the answer man like there literally mm -hmm. is a guy who has a podcast I think it's called like the bible answer man and yeah. people go to that and I'm like well, I don't know. I'm not going to say what I think, honestly, but it, it troubles me. Like people are so attracted to that. Why do you think people would like anything but that? Like, why do you, why do you think there are Bible answer men that, that people gravitate to? And well, I can more than just speculate on that. I, <laughs> this seeking to be modest, that's kind of a new policy in my life. <laughs> that has not always been my mind. I've always I, been I, modest, I, so I can't imagine what I, that would uh, be like. No. As a young man, I think I've told you this before, Luke, but uh, when I was 21, I hosted a live television show called What's the Bible Say? <laughs> Do you know that? I forgot that. Yeah, I was 21, <laughs> and uh, some older ministers pulled me in. Uh, it was every Saturday night. We were, we were on right before some popular Pentecostal show, and so we mostly got harangued by Pentecostals, you know, but it was... I mean, it exactly was like that. You call us up. We had people answering the phone. They would slip you under the camera the question, and then live on the air, give you just, every answer to every possible was it Bible question. You and a couple other people answering the questions? Yeah, but you know, as I'd host it, you, you know, were the host of this? Yeah, I, I was for a while. What was like? They wanted me to host it because I knew Greek and Hebrew, you know, and you, they, they thought, now, <laughs> it, it's worse than I'm even describing. You know, well, hold on, hold on. My my deepest fear is that someplace their old eight track. Oh, I would you love know, it that. Wouldn't be eight track. What would it be beta tapes or something like that? Someplace back there, there's old eight millimeter footage of these. You what? know, but it was the very confident <laughs> me who had an answer to everything. And life has a way, if you'll let it. Life has stripping a way of stripping that away and taking you to the center of the faith, which yeah. is why for me, a theme like living in light of the Jesus story fits so much better than Jesus <laughs> answers to all your questions. What was what was the name of that? Was it like What uh, does the Bible say? No, no, what it could have been like making it cope aesthetic with Mike. So, yeah, 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 I see that. That's see a I bit obtuse, but uh, <laughs> hey, it was, what does the Bible you know, say? You know what I name things. It has to be a pun on your name. Um, that is hilarious. So you've, you've gone from that to this, and you think it's life that has a way of stripping down that uh, pompous? At least it was for me, and I'd like to think along with that, it was the further exploration of Scripture. I, I always, from my youngest age, have loved exploring Scripture deeply, and Unfortunately, at one time in my life, it led to hyperconfidence because I thought you could apply kind of scientific methods to Scripture. Yeah. You, you could put it in your laboratory and come out with the answers, yeah. and they were unfailing. But the deeper, deeper exploration of Scripture reveals this wonderful it, it's its own journey, and, and there are times Scripture's even pushing back against itself. You you find writers as if they're in dialogue with each other. They're, they're moving forward, led by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But when you find that, it's not like my respect for Scripture goes down, it goes up. Hmm. It's this human document written by real-life human beings, but 
guided by the Spirit of God, and it's yeah. it's been this witness to the church through thick and thin. And so I just find myself in a in a slightly different place. I think, find uh, me not hovering over Scripture dissecting <laughs> it, but Scripture hovering over me dissecting me. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's good. And it, it seems like that allows you to have more humility with the conclusions that you come to on different facts, and you have different opinions. It is. It doesn't mean that you, you don't hold to any truth. It doesn't mean you don't say, here I stand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I cannot do otherwise, you know, a Martin yeah. Luther moment. But it does mean that your tendency is to listen carefully to other faithful believers who've come to different conclusions. Yeah. You know, you, you learn to trust them. Yeah. You posted, or wine, I think it's Wineskin. Is that the website? Yeah, wineskins.org. Dot, yeah. They, they posted an article last night or this morning that you'd written, and there was a bit of a Church of Christ intramural debate <laughs> over uh, gender roles, and Nadi was involved in that, and, and your yeah. capacity serving with Pepperdine was involved. And uh, there's a gentleman who made some claims um, – that uh, weren't very supportive of the position that you've taken yeah. on the issue. And you, you tell uh, a little anecdote. Is that the right word? I don't think I know how to say that word. Is it antidote? Ant- is there seeing <laughs> Anecdote. Anic. I always yeah, feel like anecdote. I'm saying that word wrong because I am. Antidote is if you're sick, but sick, <laughs> but or don't want to be sick. Yeah. If you don't want to be sick? Yeah. Well, see, you're, you're, maybe that was your son because yeah. he's yeah, a doctor. Co- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, yeah Dr. Uh, Cope in the other room. Yeah, yeah, the other. Yeah, that one. So um, he can help with the antidote and you him with whatever this Anecdotes, is. Anecdotes. I yeah. can't say the word. Regardless, <laughs> you tell a little story yeah. about um, – When I was a young man uh, – or, or it's, it's probably 20 years ago. I even sadly then wasn't young. <laughs> but uh, 20 years ago, I was in a small group with one of my preaching heroes. Is that what you're talking about? With yeah. John Stott. And um, John Stott, great Anglican bishop, preacher, writer, uh, noble, noble human being. But but he led us and he said, um, what are you dealing with now? And he asked this group of ministers, a room full of egos. And somebody was talking about how they were becoming more gender inclusive in the leadership of their church. And there were struggles with that. And a megachurch preacher broke in and said... Uh, I just want to know why people twist scripture just so they can please culture. And it got silent. And John Stott said, let me see if I can reframe the question for you. (laughs) I think what you intended to say is, I would love to know more about how this brother who loves scripture and Jesus as much as I do can come to such radically different conclusions. (laughs) And, uh, you know, it's called killing with kindness, I think, you know, but it was a lovely teaching moment that these are not people who are twisting scripture. These are people who've come to different conclusions. And that's really what I want. I I have long ago staked egalitarian positions on gender inclusion. And I know not everybody, especially in our little tribe, agrees with that. And I, I understand. I still fully understand how people could not agree with me on that. But I want I want to think the best of, of them and how they've come to those conclusions. And I, I want them to, to believe that for me, that I... It's not, I mean, to describe it as a feminist agenda is not really true. It's the journey of my struggle with Scripture and my coming to understand and my discerning these gifts and godly women. It's you know, all of that together, especially mm-hmm. the study of Scripture has taken me to this place. So partly it was me speaking and saying, let's have these discussions in, in the spirit of thinking the best of each other yeah and that seems to be a the article that he had written called people hypocrites and fickle and they're trying to destroy your church and uh they they're twisting scripture well none of that's accurate 
Yeah. You know, these are people who've come to different conclusions, but, but we're all seeking to follow Jesus Christ. Yeah. Do you think as a young man you would have taken that first, the other tenor, and being more... Oh, I got dressed down myself when I was a young <laughs> man, yeah. Um, and, and I remembered it wasn't a happy moment, but I had the opportunity to go back to that older man who had kind of dressed me down and said, but I, I needed that so much. And it was partly through his words. I've, I've tried to learn to remember that. Not to say I'm always on top of that, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I, there are times that I find myself wanting to be that you know, bombastic, my answer's the right way, you know, and, and I assume things are the people who are different from me. Yeah. And it seems like every time I do that, I can't go pray because prayer seems to always say, Luke, come on. Yeah, go deal with those people fairly yeah, and then come back. They're yeah. genuine human beings. Right. They have, and one of the beautiful things about church is that you see the people who have differences of opinions from you and you see the, the love and the kindness and the compassion they have and you go, they can't be the enemy. Yeah. Like anytime that you're making someone who shares the bread and the wine with you every Sunday and you turn that person the enemy, you're, you're, you're doing something wrong. Right. Right. And I think that's the beauty of... I, I re recently wrote a blog piece about politics. Yeah, you I saw know, that one you too. Know, just to throw another grenade in yeah. there. But uh, because, entering into an election year, you know. <laughs> because at what age do you think, yeah, I'm going to talk about <laughs> politics. Yeah, what, 59 is 59. the age, as it turns okay. out. When you're 59, 59. you're going for broke. Okay. But to say, you know, I, I remember, I've preached for four churches in my life. Two, I think, were predominantly... Democratic, if I were guessing, and mm -hmm. the inclinations too were predominantly Republican, and in the inclinations. Which were your favorite churches? Uh, <laughs> not, I loved them all four <laughs> evenly, like all like all like children. children. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I, I've heard people say, "I just don't know how you can be a Democrat and be a Christian." I've heard people say, "I don't know how you can be a Republican and be a Christian," and for for different reasons. On one side, maybe it was social issues, moral issues. The other side, maybe concern for the poor and so on. And I just want to say, look, you know, it, it, it really is true. I mean, there are believers who are Democrats uh, yeah. who, who follow Jesus. There are believers who deeply devoted to following Jesus who are Republicans. And so it's not some fairy tale possibility. They really exist. <laughs> and they're probably so, in your church. <laughs> they're probably in your church. Can we yeah. find a way to just argue our case? Argue a case. How do we how do we take care of the poor? Well, they're they're is one perspective on how to take care of the poor that has more involvement of government. There's another way to take care of the poor that's deeply invested in the free market and so on. But can we believe that the others who are arguing this are doing it with a concern for the poor and with the love of Jesus yeah. and not make assumptions about the others? You know, these people have sold out to socialism or these people just care about the, the rich. Is there a way to be generous in our understanding and enter into political debate um, and while we're at it, remembering that the politics of the kingdom is an altogether different thing anyway, that our ultimate goal is not to establish a nation or a party here, mm -hmm. but to invest in the kingdom of God that's broken in in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is if people come to the Bible lectures this year, 2016, they'll get their politics, their gender, and every other Bible question answered. The main thing I'm saying is that I'm counting on you <laughs> not to let me down after N.T. Wright. I'm putting a lot on it. Man. Really? Yeah, carry it. Over under of five bad jokes from me. Were you going to go? Would you take the over or the under? Under. I would go light on jokes. You may know N.T. Wright's <laughs> not a big joke teller, and yet he gets by. You know, he gets he gets by. So go light, light, and and don't you know the name Wright? 
I see the plays you're going to make with right and wrong. I don't go there. I newsworthy help, with nursworthy. I don't, can't help myself. The copalicious or whatever Copacetic. that was. Copacetic. thank you. you know, just that, that's a good word. The fact that right is connected to right and wrong. Don't do don't that. Don't do that? No. I really struggled to not make a joke <laughs> like that when I interviewed him the first time or the yeah. only time I have so far. Yeah. Um, he's, he's above it. He's, he's yeah. He's above it. Well, and I got in the room next to him. I was like, don't be stupid, Luke. <laughs> you can't do that with this guy. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Uh, besides, uh, N.T. Wright's going to be there, and um, Ruby Bridges. Ruby Bridges. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those are big names. Um, give us one other thing that people are going to be like. This is amazing. I'm so glad I was a participant in this. Um, there are a lot of topics, big themes we're going to take head on. Uh, we're going to talk uh, openly at several sessions about um, homosexuality, especially in light of the recent Supreme Court decision. Um, legal implications, uh, how one approaches scripture, what that means for inclusion, community, and so on. We're going to have open discussions about that at several lesson, uh, levels. Um, Chris Duran, a professor at Pepperdine, is going to lead a three-day discussion of that. There's also a whole section that's, uh, that's sponsored by the Boone Center for the Family at Pepperdine, and one of those will be on some of the practical implications of families. How do families hmm. connect through some of the questions and trials that, that they may face? But we'll try to be open about that. I'm very excited that Greg Boyd's coming. Uh, That's know, a f- we can announce that. Are we? <laughs> yeah, we talked about that. Uh, <laughs> Before- we're, we're, yeah, we're really sure. Greg, if you're out there listening to this, this this you're it, now committed man it's on itunes it has to happen i think we decided not to announce that but it just blurted <laughs> out you pushed me into it i'm pretty sure he's coming uh, so so greg boyd coming to talk about the implication of of a cruciform life of following mm-hmm. in the way of the kingdom and so on and if not i'll just read his book yeah to that'd a bunch be good. of people Get up that's and, the kind of back mm-hmm. if he doesn't make it that's what i'll do yeah i'll just make jokes about his name and read his book. <laughs> That's if he good. Doesn't You'll make be ready it. for that. Outstanding. All right, Mike. This has been fun. Yeah. Um, good to be with you. You and Matt going to get back in the ocean there? I uh, think right we should. Place. I think I've kind of – my you, hands are not, like, pruned up anymore. And, no? Yeah. Uh, there's color and feeling in them again. It was <laughs> it was kind of cool. But uh, it, how often – I'm not in Malibu that often. So yeah, the like fact I'm, that you came in looking for your wallet and keys and shoes for about an hour uh, <laughs> when they were right in front of you tells me that you probably stayed in that water too long. <laughs> I'm so. not good at finding things, Yeah, right? I'm not good at it either. That's why the two of us looked and couldn't <laughs> find it until my wife went down. It's like, are you talking about this? <laughs> these keys, this wallet, these shoes? Uh, yeah, thanks, honey. Yeah, it's – yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems like your wife and my wife have a lot of commonalities. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So Indeed. my wife finds everything for me. And I think she's, she would find the conclusion of this podcast, which is right now. All right. You see what I did good there? Good to talk to you. That's good, man. That's good. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>